We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Welcome to the Button Heads podcast on Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro. I'm here with Johnny Gomez. We're back from brief hiatus. Johnny's back from a little bit longer hiatus. You were not on the last episode. Johnny, how you been? Uh, it's been it's been pretty good, man. I can't complain. I always need a little bit of time off. You know, I uh, had to go on business for a little bit in New York, uh, kind of near the, your neck of the woods, right? You were in Buffalo and. It, you kind of think that New York's not that big, but Buffalo is very, very far away from New York City. It's, it's oh. like it's like six hours away, which I guess for California might not seem like that far because your state is a lot bigger than ours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually thought you were kind of away from the city. I, I don't know. I guess I was thinking the, you were a little further away. I I was born and raised in Connecticut, so a little bit out. Now I live in Astoria, Queens, which is very close to the city so uh, i'm about 30 minutes out and that's that's usually where i work 30 minutes by train but uh 
Yeah, so not close to Buffalo. But anyways, uh, thank you guys for listening as always. And, of course, you could find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android, Player FM. And if you're out on the West Coast, iebeatradio.com. We air Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. So don't forget to check us out there. And, of course, give us a five-star rating if you enjoy what you hear. So on today's show, we're going to get back into our schedule review we did me and Johnny did the first four weeks on the last episode. Me and Derek did five through eight. We're gonna hit nine through eleven into the bye week on this episode, and then I'm gonna be joined by Roto Ballers Pierre Camus to go over the fantasy prospects for the Rams and then a couple other guys. Um if you're not if you don't play fantasy, I think it's still worth a listen for the Rams part because we do kind of go into Who's going to be getting the ball in the passing game if Cooper Cup or if Robert Woods are going to suffer from a lack of targets due to Brandon Cooks coming in? Uh, we talk about Gerald Everett a little bit. We talk about Goff and how he can progress and whatnot. So I think it was an interesting listen. But for now, we're going to get right into it. We're going to get into the Ram schedules for weeks 9 to 11. But let's briefly talk about one of our sponsors here. Most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. If you want to learn more about the history of the Rams with a bit of a personal touch, you got to check out Jim Hawk's book, Hollywood Team, Glit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of John Hawk, author Jim Hawk's dad, who played offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers about a son's story about his father and the team he played for. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy Legs Hirsch, Tom Fierce, Les Richter, and others in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find the book at HollywoodSteams.com and on Twitter at HollywoodSteam. It's available in both hard book, hardback, and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. You can also find Hollywood Steam through various other booksellers on the internet. I definitely recommend you guys read this book. It's absolutely worth your time. That's Hollywood Steam, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. Speaking of things far away from Los Angeles, we're going to get into the schedule here when week nine where the Rams travel to New Orleans. It's a team that's kind of running it back with the same pieces as last year. They went 11-5. and They were a good team, made the playoffs. But, Johnny, do you think that we should consider them in the same class as us and Philly and Minnesota? Ooh, that's a tough question. So, do I think they are an elite team, you know, kind of up there with the Eagles, us? Um, That's hard. Uh, I do think they're kind of on the border there. But because of that, I think they are going to be kind of that under-the-radar team they always kind of seem to be. So are they a threat? Without a doubt. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think they are going to be very good. But that being said, I do think they're slightly, slightly behind Minnesota and Philly and us. I think while Minnesota got better, we got better, Philly – with Carson Wentz back, they're going to be a little better than they were at the end of last season. I mean, obviously, Super Bowl MVP and Rams legend Nick Foles aside, who did great. Uh, Carson Wentz is just a much better player. He's a much more consistent player. So you, you got to think they're going to be back. But New Orleans is interesting because they, they have a lot of young guys, and they could get better. But at the same time, they have a quarterback who, while most likely being a first battle Hall of Famer, 
he's getting up there in age, and you have seen some regression from him, even though he has been good, and he has kind of, in basketball, a lot of players, when they lose their athleticism, they develop a little bit of an old man's game where they shoot a little more, they hit the rim a little less. I think Priest is kind of the quarterback where he, I don't think he has the arm strength that he did years ago, but I think he's just kind of making everything work, and I... He can't count out the guy because he really he really does make it work and they got a lot of weapons on that offense. They have a good defense, so I, I do expect to see them back in the playoffs. Now, speaking of interesting players, my player of interest for this game is Alvin Kamara, who is a very hot fantasy prospect because he tore it up last year despite being in a timeshare. Now, when the Rams played the Saints, and I've said this in the podcast in the past, it seemed like there was two different Ra- Saints teams that played us. The team that was on the field when Alvin Kamara played, which dominated us, and we couldn't really do anything on defense against, and then just about every other play where we kind of shut them down and nobody else really did much against us besides Kamara. So that being said, do you think that we can kind of step up and contain Kamara in this matchup uh, when we get to Week 9? And like, do you think that's going to be the primary focus of the game plan? Absolutely. Wade Phillips is going to definitely try and and develop a strategy to stop Kamara. There's no doubt about it. But the thing about it is do we have do we have the players to be able to stop them? Yeah, we have like an incredible defensive line, but behind them it's still a bunch of young guys. And while I do have a lot of faith in a lot of them, you know, I still think I still have to question can they stop a guy like Kamara? Uh and I think Considering the amount of success, and as you mentioned er, uh, earlier, the Kamara New Orleans Saints played lights out against the Rams, and had he played the entire game, I don't know if the if the Rams would have won that game. Yeah, and it's kind of a bigger question where, because of Mark Ingram's suspension, will the Saints give Kamara the chance to be the every down back, or? Will they kind of let somebody else take some of those carries? I mean, obviously, I think Kamara will get more carries, even if he doesn't get the three-down work without Ingram being there for the first couple games. But they might want to keep Ingram's role fresh, and they might want to be able to ease him in pretty seamlessly without Kamara going from getting a ton of touches to getting not a lot. And he's a small dude. He's very good, but he's small and he might be a guy that plays a lot better in the doses they give him than if he was out there every play. You don't, We don't know. It's only been one year. The sample size is not that big. And while he was killer, it's we don't know if he can do that every down. And that's part of, you know, this is a guy that I, I'm a fantasy guy. He's going very high. I think he's a top eight player for a lot of those upside reasons. And because even in a committee last year, he was an RB1, which is very hard to do when the other guy in the committee is also an RB1. So I, it's it'll be interesting to see how the Kamara and Ingram situation plays out. It's definitely something I'm going to have my eye on. Now, on my terms of, are we worried about this game? I have this game seventh on my list. I think that might be a little low, but I think there's, just, there's a lot of games in schedule that I'm worried about. And I talked about this with Derek. or No, I talked about this with you when we talked about Minnesota. The... What happened last year against Minnesota, it didn't give me a lot of confidence to pick the Rams in that game. What happened last year against New Orleans, it gives me too much confidence not to think that the Rams will take care of business this year. I'm giving them a win 
it might be a little closer than last year. They might be out for a little revenge, but I, I'm more confident in this one than I might need to be uh, because it is a good team. But what do you think? How, how confident are you in this game? You know, I'd like to say that I'm extremely confident. And for most of the season, I'm, you'll find that I'm extremely confident. And when we get to the end of this, you'll know my final, uh, the final standings that I predict, you know, very early on anyway. Um, but in terms of the Saints, I don't know. There's something about the Saints that the Rams just don't have a whole lot of success against them. And on top of all of that, playing at home, there is something to be said about that. I, I'm i thinking it's going to be a close game, but I think the Rams are barely going to lose this one. I, I see it like as a 24-21 loss. Okay. And, you know, this is going to be one of the tougher games on our schedule. And you did, you had them beating Minnesota, so this kind of makes up for that. I it, This is going to be a close game. I might be a little too confident here, but... We'll, we'll see how we're looking at week nine. And either way, I think we're going to be in good shape, even if we do lose this game, because uh, we got a lot of games we should take care of business in. Speaking of games we should take care of business in, we head back home in week 10 to take on the Seattle Seahawks. Now, Johnny, you weren't here when me and Derek went over the week five matchup, which I actually had the Rams losing kind of just because they got the Seahawks got so embarrassed last year that I think they have to have some sense of pride to win when we travel to Seattle and kind of avenge that shellacking. But how do you feel about the Seahawks this year? It's never a good idea to antagonize the rivals. I mean, you kind of have to, but at the same time, you don't want to oversell it because at the same time, it could come back to bite you. But I'm going to do it anyway. I am not at all, not at all threatened by the Seattle Seahawks. I feel like they had so many opportunities to make their team better. And in some very minor, minuscule ways, they did. But they didn't really do enough to really challenge the NFC West. I mean, I, I look back at their offseason, I'm thinking, what the hell are they thinking? Like, I don't get it. But at the same time, that's better for me. Because, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think that there's a chance in hell that the Seattle Seahawks come to Los Angeles in particular and end up with the W. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm not high on Seattle this year. I think I I gave I picked them to win in Seattle just because it was kind of just like I I go with my gut in a lot of these things and my gut tells me that Pete Carroll's going to want to get one against the Rams after that game last season cuz that was pretty brutal. Now, in terms of just Seattle as a whole, I they didn't do they added some guys. They added uh we we talked about you know the running back situation and adding Rashad Penny, but they they lost a lot of guys too. The the Legion of Boom kind of fell apart. They lost Cam Chancellor. They let Richard Sherman walk. Now these guys are not as good as they were at the peaks of their powers, but they're good players. They didn't bring back Sheldon Richardson. They it's just and they didn't do a ton to replace these guys. You know, you look at their transactions, who they brought in. It's not much going on there. They they brought in DJ Fluker, who's a fine lineman. They brought in Mo Alexander, who just kind of flat out fell apart on the Rams last year. It's, you know, I 
I don't think they did a lot to get better. And that's why my player interest for this was Russell Wilson. Because had the Seahawks made the playoffs last year, he would have been my pick for MVP because he put that team on his back last year. And like I said, they got Rashad Penny. They get Chris Carson back. Their running game should be a little better. But their line, I don't think they got much better. It was hard to be worse than last year. But they're a little better. And they lost Jimmy Graham. So the receivers, I don't think, are as talented. Can Russell Wilson carry this team enough? Or is is everything around him going to kind of collapse? I mean, do you think he can put up the crazy numbers he put up last year Wilson is gonna be a talented quarterback because that's who he is but at the same time I just I don't think he can he has really an answer against this defense keep in mind that you know he played up against a really really tough Rams defense last year that only got a little bit better this season and he didn't face these incredible cornerback so he had he went up against Tremaine Johnson and I don't I don't know if he has an answer against you know studs like Tlaib and then on top of that he's going to be chased around hopefully by Donald and and Sue so in the end I don't think it's going to be enough for Wilson to really do much damage he's going to do his thing of course you know especially when he's running for his life but in the end I wouldn't even suggest him as a player of interest uh, in my opinion, my player of interest is kind of more of a novelty thing, and that's Shaq Griffin. Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw a clip of Shaq Griffin picking off uh, Wilson in practice. I think it was today. It might have been yesterday. I don't know. But he 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 looks good, and that was, that was the guy I was hoping the Rams would target in the later rounds. And he went in the fifth round, pick 141. So that, that's late. And this is the guy who – Obviously, he has physical limitations, but he he's a good player, and he's a guy with he's a very smart football player. I think as long as he doesn't get bullied size wise at his position, because he's he's kind of a guy where we we're not sure what position he's going to fully play in the NFL. But yeah, I think he's an interesting player, and I think he is going to have a role in this league for a long time. I don't know if he's going to be you know Pro Bowler. I don't know if I go that far, but at the very least, he's a guy that will be a, a good special teamer, I think. And I think he definitely has the potential to be better than that. Now, this is just one question I want to pop to you. And I don't know if this is a dumb question. The Seahawks have tailed off in the last couple of years. Do you think Pete Carroll, do you think his seat is warm at all? Or do you think because of how much he turned this franchise around, he can just kind of be there till he's till he doesn't want to coach anymore? I do think that people will try and do the hot seat you know at this point if if he ends up having kind of a mediocre season uh this year but at the same time you you gotta also look at it from a general manager's perspective carol is gonna try and get the seahawks to the promised land but you have to also give him the tools to get there and does carol have the tools at the moment i mean i would say no so it all just depends on, you know, how bloodthirsty, you know, the 12th man is. If they want to, you know, get their pitchforks out and just run Carroll out of town, then fine. But if I'm the 12th man over there, I, I'd want the GM out because I don't think that's necessarily Carroll's fault. I'm not a huge fan of, of Carroll, to be honest. But um, I think in terms of his job safety, I think he's fine for the next year or two. 
And if it continues to pile up mediocre seasons, then I could see them firing him ultimately. Yeah, I think I think because they have Russell Wilson locked up, there's not really going to be a teardown of the roster anytime soon. And because of that, you want to have a good coach. And we know Pete Carroll is a good coach. He's He did a hell of a job rebuilding that team. He won a Super Bowl. He got to another. So I think you want to have a guy that you know is good as a head coach. Maybe you switch up the coordinators, uh, the GM. Obviously, I think that is more of a target here because it, that that's the guy that's got to put the players around the team. But I think when you have a good quarterback like Wilson, you, you don't want to have a bad coach in there. And if you get rid of Carroll – you know he's at least good. Is he great? I, I think he's a very good coach. I think he might be great. I, if you disagree, I think that's fair too. But I he's better than some guys they might be able to bring in. Now, are we worried about this game? I actually had the 16th out of 16th. I am so not worried about this game. It's insane. I think this is a win. This will be my probably my biggest lock, especially if they lose in week five like I had them. It, do you think this has any chance of being a loss? You know, if this is a loss, I am very worried about this season. But no, I'm not at all worried about this. And it wouldn't surprise me if this turns out to be a blowout. Yeah, I I think this could be a shellacking, much like that game was last year. Let's move on to the last game before the bye week. Week 11, the Rams travel to Mexico City in prime time to face the Kansas City Chiefs. Another international game for the Rams. Are you excited about this one? You know, I'm kind of thinking about going. I am not going to lie. I kind of want to go. Financially wise, is it wise for me to go? Probably not, but, you know, there's always <laughs> – I could always skip that. But Yeah, um, easier than London at least. Well, yeah, there's no way I'm going to that. But, but the Mexico City game for sure uh, is going to be very exciting, and I, I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I think this is going to be a fun one. I think this is a good matchup. There's a lot of animosity here between certain players, mainly Marcus Peters, mainly uh, Sammy Watkins. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I know we want to talk about Sammy Watkins because we've hashed that out a lot, but maybe we'll get to him later. For now, <laughs> my my player of interest is not Sammy Watkins. It's Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback here. And you can't talk about Pat Mahomes being interesting without talking about Andy Reid because I think the two pair together now Andy Reid has had a lot of success with quarterbacks in the past obviously the big one is Donovan McNabb but then you look at like you know he had Alex Smith he turned he didn't turn him anything but he kept him very good he made Kevin Cobb look good for a while he resurrected Michael Vick's career now he's got Pat Mahomes now who's about as untasted and raw as they get are you a believer in Andy Reid getting Pat Mahomes to produce at a high level this year? And can they, the Chiefs remain a playoff team with him at quarterback? Yes, I do think so because I think the weapons around him is what's going to do it for him. I think, I don't know, like I, I don't know if this is going to be uh, a huge playoff team. I think they're going to kind of do the the traditional Chiefs-like style, which is, uh, start off the season really strong, may even go undefeated, maybe up until the Rams point for sure, um, and just kind of fizzle out towards the end of the season like they always do. <laughs> and, you know, it just it's kind of like, you know, you kind of expect this to happen every year, and it always seems to happen with the Chiefs. And 
I, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I just, I, I think with Mahomes, it's going to be kind of a mystery. It'll be uh, interesting to see if he can be that quarterback to, um, to kind of get the Chiefs to the, to at least the playoffs. But I do, I will say that his weapons are quite possibly the most underrated group of weapons uh, that the league has particularly because you don't really hear too much mention of it. And I'm not just talking about Sammy Watkins, which I think obviously he's always going to have that potential, but you know, guys like Tyreek Hill, like Travis Kelsey, you know, this is, this is actually a really threatening offense when you really think about it. Yeah. Kareem hunt too. The, the skill players are loaded. I mean, Tyreek Hill is a nice, really good weapon on offense. And yeah, then Sammy Watkins, who is a perfect foil to him because he's just a, a speedy bruiser on the outside. He's big. He can go up and get the ball. You have to respect him. And even though he didn't produce a lot numbers wise for the Rams last season, I mean, he just his presence alone changed the entire offense. And I went into this a little bit on Pierre, so I don't want, or with Pierre, so I don't want to get too into the, the Sammy Watkins minutia thing. But yeah, this, it's going to be hard for Pat Mahomes to, to fail with these guys around him as long as he's good enough to be an NFL quarterback and if he's not it'll be glaring because it's it's hard to overthrow Watkins and Hill and Kelsey that often and with a, a good running back like Kareem Hunt who he was a little inconsistent last year I wouldn't be shocked if he took a he had a sophomore slump here I don't think he will but he kind of had a Todd Gurley-esque run Todd Gurley came out his rookie year he didn't play till week five, though. Kareem Hunt started the season, obviously. Todd Gurley put up four crazy games, and then for the rest of the season had one standout game. He wasn't horrible in every game, but you, it was weird to see how how much he regressed in just a short amount of time. And Hunt did the same thing last year. He came out swinging and then had just a wild stretch where he just wasn't doing anything. Now, Part of that was the Andy Reid effect because for some reason when Andy Reid has a good running back, he loves to just not give him the ball, which makes absolutely no sense. It didn't make sense with Jamal Charles. It doesn't make sense with Kareem Hunt. And this year, you got to think, unless Pat Mahomes looks like Peyton Manning in camp, they are going to rely on Kareem Hunt a lot. So I, I think they could get back to the playoffs. I'm not sure how much I believe in Pat Mahomes, but as long as he's capable, um, I I think they'll be fine. Now, Am I worried about this game? I'm actually very worried about this game. I had this third on my scale. This is the 11th game in a row for the Rams. And now I know the Chiefs have been doing the same thing. But I think the Rams, and I know you you think the Chiefs are going to come out swinging. I think the Rams are too. And I think coming up to this point, I had them 8-2. and two. I think they're going to be feeling good. They're going to be having a fun time in Mexico City. They're going to be playing against a good team. But I think... Because of how confident I am in the record's going to be at this point, because the bye week's coming up, because it's an international game and they're going to be having to do a lot of press and they're going to be having a good time, I think they drop this one. I think it's kind of a scheduled loss. I think it'd be close, but I just, I don't think mentally that they're going to be as locked in for this game as they will be for the other 15 games in their schedule. What do you think? You know, you bring up some great points and. Again, we, we talked a lot about the, the offensive side of the ball for, for the Chiefs. And I think if this was the same defense that the Rams had last year, I might agree with you. 
But considering if Talib and Peters are still healthy at this point, along with pretty much all of the rest of the defense, if they stay healthy, this, I think, is going to be a lot closer uh, than we think. And it might be an offensive jog or not. But in the end, I still think that the Rams end up with a victory here simply because the X factor in this game for the Rams, I think, will be Marcus Peters. We all know his kind of history with the Chiefs is not a very pleasant one. You know, he wanted out of of Kansas City. And I think that that Peters is going to is going to really shine in this game. I really think he's going to play with the chip on his shoulder. And who knows, maybe he'll have a pick six or two. Yeah, I think he's going to be pumped up, and I, I do not expect the Sammy Watkins revenge game. I don't think that'll ever happen, but I don't know. I, this is another one of those games where my gut just tells me that they're going to be in good shape, You know, eight and three in the bye week. I feel like there will be some Rams fans that won't be happy with that, but I mean, look, it, eight and three is, is fine. That's a very good record, and I think that this the first half of their schedule, I think, is going to be a lot more grueling than what comes after the bye week, and we will talk about that on the next episode. They do have some tough games there, but this the tough this toughest stretch is behind them. Outside of that Eagles game, there's not a ton of of really tough matchups going on. So, I have them eight and three in the bye week, and we will talk about the final five games in the next episode. And before we get to Pierre Camus, let's give another shout out to one of our sponsors at the Golden Ram Barbershop. If you want to support one of your own businesses in the Orange County area, and if you want to support a member of the Ramley, and if you want an old school barbershop experience, you should check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California, zip code 92683. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine of the Rams the day the team left for St. Louis, and he's kept the lights on ever since. He's by appointment only, so you got to give him a call at 714-894-RAMS. That's 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK. Tell Sal he sent you. Tell Sal that we sent you so that he knows he'll give you a discount on an already affordable haircut. And also, he knows he's talking to a true Rams fan that's really getting into the nitty-gritty of Rams content online. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to a shop is worth it just to enjoy all the Rams memorabilia there. But Sal also provides you with the old school barbershop experience and he'll talk Rams football with you and everything you want to talk about. Trust me, guys. He's a great barber. You won't regret it. Now, here's my conversation with Pierre. All right, I am here with Roto Ballers, managing editor and host of the Fantasy Bomb podcast, Pierre Camus. How are we doing, Pierre? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, you, you had me on the Fantasy Bomb a couple months ago, which was awesome. And for those listening who aren't familiar, you can get that on the Roto Baller Radio podcast feed. So obviously, we're bringing you in. You're a fantasy guy. You're one of Roto Baller's rankers. You're listed on Fantasy Pro. So. We're going to talk about the Rams in terms of where they're ranked and where what you think of the guys, and then maybe we'll get to some other guys later. But I guess we could get right into it. Obviously, we're going to start with Todd Gurley, who a lot of places he's number one. He's a lot of places he's number two. You guys have him at number three in standard behind Le'Veon Bell and Ezekiel Elliott 
Elliott. And then number two in PPR, only behind Bell. So I'm curious where you personally had Gurley ranked and what the justification was of that ranking. All right, so let me start out by saying as far as ranking, um, anybody who's ever done their own rankings, uh, it's, it's definitely an imprecise art. So rankings are meant to be fluid. You know, they're, they're not going to be uh, where, you know, at the end of last season, you know, I think Gurley is going to be the number three guy. And, and then going into the, you know, week one, he's going to be the number three guy. You know, they're going to change. They should change. You know, if you're keeping your rankings the same, even throughout training camp, uh, as we get closer to the preseason, um, about to start, you're doing something wrong. You have to pay attention to what's going on. And even if it's something that might be like a minor uh, change, it could be, you know, an offensive line coach. It could be a you know, a backup running back that's signed, those little things could affect their value throughout uh, the season. So you really have to kind of pay attention to those details that I, I guess I would say your your typical fantasy football fan, uh, maybe not our, our rotoballer readers because those are obviously the most astute crowd. But, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, the average, I would say the average fantasy football fan, you know, they pay attention to the big names and the big deal, you know, things that are reported on ESPN. But all those little things matter. Okay, so now as far as Gurley, very little has changed, right? I mean, the Rams' offense from last year is pretty much intact. There's one change that was that receiver, which I know we'll talk about later, I'm sure. But uh, as far as Gurley himself, you figure same as last year, so why wouldn't he produce the same as last year? Well, as far as that, I actually don't think that there will be much of a change. I know a lot of people like to throw out the word regression, right? So in other words, the the uh, thinking is that he was so good last year, he has to do worse next year. I mean, do you, do you, do you get that vibe from people that people just assume, oh, well, he was he was the best player in fantasy. He can't do it again. He has to regress. I mean, I don't know. Do you hear a lot of people saying that? Yeah, and we get that with a lot of players. And Gurley, I think part of the reason he gets hit is because of the just complete change from his rookie season to his sophomore season, and then I guess a change again. So you might think, hey, he's inconsistent. Hey, he's not going to put up those numbers. But like you said, nothing has changed. It's the same coordinator. It's the same quarterback. There was one change, which I think most people would agree is probably going to be an upgrade in switching from Sammy Watkins to Brandon Cooks. Now, in terms of the regression, I think a big reason is because a lot of people cite those last two games for Gurley having a huge impact on his point totals. But even if you take those out and if you maybe switch him to his average, he's still in the top three running backs, I believe. He's up there. He might even be number two behind Bell. But it's not going to be – I can't imagine a huge regress. And I can imagine a very slight regression where he just doesn't put up the crazy point total he put up last year and puts up just a really good – top five running back total and i i would personally i think i have number one and obviously one of the reasons we brought you on here is so we can get a less biased take on these rams guys because obviously i'm you know i can't not take him number one when he's in the conversation like this and i'm sure a lot of our uh, listeners to this podcast feel the same but i and you mentioned the rankings and how it's an imperfect art and i think you'd agree and anyone who doesn't have Gurley would agree if you want to take Gurley number one, take him number one. It's The rankings are more of a guide than a strict art. Like, if you want to take Brandon Cooks number one, don't do it because <laughs> that that's kind of what the rankings yeah. are for. If a guy is like 30 spots behind where you want to take him, you probably shouldn't. But, again, Gurley, I think he's in a clear tier one. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the regression thing is 
definitely a bit overblown. And even if he does regress, I can't imagine it being anything crazy where he wouldn't produce like a first round pick in the system. Maybe he's not going to be the number one overall player. I have a feeling that he can definitely do it. And I even feel like his numbers could go up given how young he is and given he's only had one year in that system. But I don't know. I it's yeah, I think the regression talk is definitely overblown. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the word tier because that's exactly how we structure it. And uh, we actually just updated our rankings, so probably this coming week you'll see on Rotoballer um, what we do is tiered rankings analysis. So we break it down. We don't look at you know this player's number two, this player's number three. That means this player's ahead. You have to look at the tier, the grouping. So, for example, you have a first-round pick. Um, I mean, really it's going to have to be a top five, top six pick if you want any of these guys, but you're going to have one of those running backs probably. Okay, so the top four running backs in Tier 1, they're all lumped together. If you're going to take David Johnson over Todd Gurley, no one's going to argue with that. They're the same tier. If you're going to take Zeke Elliott you know, over Todd Gurley, that, no one's going to argue with that. So they're considered the same group. Now, if you have a top four pick and you're taking Leonard Fournette, it's not that it's a terrible pick, but you know he's clearly not in that tier, um, the same level as those players. So then you might get a little bit of question. Now, I'm not saying don't do it. If you think Leonard Fournette's going to lead the league in rushing and he's going to score 15 touchdowns or whatever it is, you know, take him. You take who you think is going to win you your league. Um, but again, you have to look at it that way, the way it's structured. Um, and so if you have picks one through five and you take Todd Gurley anywhere in that range, you should be happy because, you know, anything after number one, really, you should be fine. But here's the thing. So the question is, why is Gurley not just the clear number one? Because he was the number one player last year, and especially when it counted with the fantasy playoffs. So the reason why we have Gurley just behind either uh, Bell or Zeke, depending on the format, is, and we just had this conversation, uh, Chris and I, on our show, The Fantasy Bomb. So Le'Veon Bell, obviously, in PPR, you know he's going to get as many, if not more touches, probably more touches uh, than Gurley. And now that we know the contract situation basically is, is non-existent anymore, he's not getting a payday till next year. Uh, the Steelers are just gonna—they're just gonna use him up the way that the Cowboys used up Demarco Murray um, a couple years ago until the wheels fall off. Like they have no incentive to keep him healthy long term anymore because they know he's not gonna be here after next year. They're gonna get everything they can out of him, and he also—he should have the incentive to get as many touches as possible because he wants that big payday from some other team. So to me, um, Bell, I have to have him. I, I actually was because of. Uh, you know, there's always an issue. He's had some injuries in the past. He, he's the holdout question. But to me, he's healthy right now. He's not getting suspended as far as we know <laughs> for anything. He hasn't done yeah. anything dumb that's come out publicly. And uh, we know he's got that motivation to get paid. So uh, to me, he has to be the number one guy. And then as far as Zeke, uh, in standard, I have him number two because I think he's going to lead the league in carries. I think he's going to get a little bit of an uptick in uh, targets and hopefully receptions so but you know what it's splitting hairs i mean really if you take Gurley number one or two i I have no argument against that yeah and i wrote for rams talk you can find my article about todd Gurley and how he might be the number one player and for roto ball i wrote a very similar article about david johnson who's obviously got a lot a little bit more of a question mark because he didn't play last year but really i think i would have it go Gurley, bell johnson and then zeke and I think I'm a little less high on Zeke than everyone else, but I still think if you want to take him number one, I think those four guys, you 
I wouldn't argue any order. I think that you go with, you got, I know a lot of Rams fans will probably just be girly, but I think, I do think Bell, you're right, they're going to feed him. I think he's the safest out of the top guys because it's really hard to imagine him not being in the top three running backs at the end of the season, or top four, I guess, because we like these guys, just because he's been so consistent for so long. And like you said, the Steelers, they're going to feed him because they don't, they're not really as worried about his long-term health anymore. I think the only side effect of that could be if Bell is banged up, he might not play through an injury as likely as he would be before when he had, if he had more years on his contract. But I, I totally understand Bell being number one. And I think I, as much as I would take Gurley, I, it's a tough decision for anyone. And I think you got to throw DJ in that mix just because of how good he was for how good Gurley was last year. DJ was better two years ago and the year off, he might have to shake off some rust. He's in a new system too. People kind of forget about that at times, but I do, I think he's in the conversation clearly with them. But I think I think we understand Gurley. I think we know what we're going to get. And if you want to take him number one, do it. If you don't, he's a great find in the top five at any one of those picks. Let's get to the receivers on the Rams because this is a much more interesting conversation. And it was pretty hard to predict these guys last year. Sammy Watkins got traded there in August. It kind of rocked everything. Cooper Cup was flying a little under the radar as a sleeper, but a sleeper that definitely paid off. Robert Woods, I I, th- I don't think many people expected him to be as dominant as he was for his stretch, but then he got hurt. But let's start with Brandon Cooks, a guy who's had 1,000 yards for each of the last three seasons. Two of those, or he played two of them for the Saints last year. He went to New England. His numbers dipped a little bit, but he still had over 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. I mean, Right now, you guys have him 48 overall, the 23rd wide receiver, which I I think is a pretty fair ranking for him. But stepping into this system, it's a crowded offense. Obviously, Sammy Watkins last year only had 593 yards. Do you do you think Cooks could fall under a thousand yards this year? Or do you think it's safe to say that they're going to find a way to let him get his, considering the massive contract extension he just got? So here's the thing with Cooks. He's a guy who's been fortunate everywhere he's gone. Uh, and, and, you know, you have to give him some credit. Obviously, he's a good, talented player, which is why he's wound up in these good situations. But think about where he was. He was in New Orleans with Drew Brees, Sean Payton as coach, one of the most prolific offenses of the past decade plus. Then it gets to New England, Patriots. He's got Tom Brady throwing to him. And now he winds up with the Rams who, uh, you know, I'm sure your listeners would agree, definitely one of the favorites for the Super Bowl. I actually said this a couple of weeks ago. I think they should be the favorite uh, out of the NFC. I like um, that. To make the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, I'm not just saying, not just pandering <laughs> here. Um, so here's the thing. Think about the situation, the team context for him. It, it couldn't possibly have gotten better. They go from, you know, a receiver in the Saints offense, uh, to, you know, to playing for the Patriots, and now he's going to the Rams. So, I think what we have to look at is not the player itself in this case, but how is he going to be used? And I think it's really unfair that a lot of people just automatically kind of equate him to Sammy Watkins. Say, okay, well, you know, Sammy Watkins, he's a speed guy, right? Very talented, speed receiver. Uh, Brandon Coast, kind of the same guy. They're not the same guy. They're both fast. They're both good receivers, but uh, they're not necessarily going to be used the same way. Sammy Watkins was in a tough spot because, like you said, he came in late. I mean, this was a trade that happens, you know, in the preseason in August. He didn't have time to really 
get acclimated to his surroundings. He didn't have a full set of OTAs, all this stuff. Um, and he kind of felt misplaced all year. Cooks has the benefit of not only having that extra time to acclimate to his new team, um, but then they just made this long-term investment, which they obviously didn't do. You know, Watkins was a one-year rental. And uh, Cooks, he already knows, like, he's there for the long haul, uh, unless something goes south. But it, so I think the comfort level will definitely be there. I think Cooks definitely should have, if not a 1,000 yards close, the reason I'm hesitant to say that he'll put up the same numbers as before is just because this is not going to be nearly as prolific a passing offense. Obviously, they're not going to air it out like the Saints, um, you know, but they don't need to. That's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. They don't need to air it out. They have Todd Gurley. You know, the Patriots did not have a Todd Gurley like running back um, last year. So I think that we have to be I, I think the expectations for Cooks are definitely going to be lower than last year. And I think they should be because we know he's not going to get quite the same level um, of attention. They also have two very good receivers on the other side. So. For that reason, I'm a little bit down on Cooks. Now, I wasn't really high on Cooks last year anyways. I didn't think that he was going to be a wide receiver one like a lot of people did. Um, but, yeah, I have him probably about where you said 23rd, 24th as far as receivers. I think that's I think his current ADP is, is fair. Let's just put it that way. I think our expectations now for him are realistic, whereas last year they weren't. Yeah, I'm with you. You, you hit the nail on the head on the Watkins thing for sure. I, we've... We've hashed Watkins out a lot on this on the Rams Talk podcast. As I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure our listeners know. But I think primarily what happened to him last year is he showed up late, he didn't build the chemistry, and then ultimately kind of just wound up being a decoy. And he pulled gravity on the field. There's no question about it. I don't think Gurley and Cup and Woods have the years they have if he's not there. But obviously that's not a stat that gets you points in fantasy. So he was all things considered a disaster from a fantasy perspective outside of a couple – big games and you know he only got 593 yards 70 targets I think Cooks he'll we the leading target getter for the Rams last year was Cup with 94 but Woods got 85 in 12 games so I think it's safe to say Cooks will get around 90 to 100 targets I I think his numbers might dip a little but I'd be surprised if he wasn't in the 906 range at least and I think for his 8 AP that's fine and Really, this is the only way he wouldn't get to a thousand yards, just because there's so many mouths to feed on this offense. You've got Gurley, you've got Cup, you've got Woods. One of the things I harped on last year with Watkins coming in was that in Sean McVay's 2016 year with the Redskins, they had Pierre Garcon and Deshaun Jackson go for a thousand yards. They had Jameson Crowder go for 847. Jordan Reed went for 686, and Vernon Davis went for 583. So if if Reed was healthy all year, you got to think he gets to nine around 900. So that's four guys that get over 800. But Kirk Cousins threw 600 passes that season. That's never going to happen with Jared Goff because, they, like you said, it's a good thing they run the ball. They, they're never going to need him to throw 600 passes. He threw 477 last year. I think it's safe to say he'll be around that range, maybe a little more depending on how everything goes but yeah I think Cook's going in the fourth round I think is a good spot for him um but considering that his ceiling is probably not high compared to just looking at some of the guys that are ranked around him Josh Gordon Alshon Jeffrey you know those are guys with Sammy Watkins those are guys with 
theoretically much higher ceilings. But do you think he's worth that fourth round pick because he's kind of a more higher floor guy than a lower lower ceiling guy? Or would you rather take a swing there on like a Gordon or a Watkins or somebody of that nature? Well, let me say this format because we, we talked just, you know, throughout these numbers, he's wide receiver 23, you know, fourth round it, format matters because yeah. now we have a whole lot of different formats um, and something, you know, growing up when I first started playing fantasy football, like there was just you played fantasy football, like you get points for touchdowns and, and you know, and that's it. And then yeah. they added, oh, yards, we can get points for yards. OK, so now we have dynasty. We have best ball, um, MFL 10s. Uh, there's half PPR, full PPR. So format definitely matters. So where I like Cooks the best is in a standard. I don't know how many people still play standard leagues, but um, in the standard league, I think his value is slightly higher because of that ceiling you mentioned. And probably where he's going to be most valuable for his current ADP is a best ball league. Because like Watkins, he's a guy who can make big plays. He's going to get you those big games, but he's not necessarily – uh, going to always have a, a heavy target volume. So a guy like Cooper Cup, that's a guy that you prefer in a PPR league, like a weekly league. You can kind of set him and forget him. He's not going to necessarily have a lot of huge games, um, but he kind of gives you that nice floor. So um, Cooks, I'd say I have him kind of as a low-end uh, wide receiver too in um, in PPR leagues. Um, he's a little bit a little bit safer of a pick, like in, if you're in a standard league, I would take him over like Juju um, or Josh Gordon. You know, those guys both kind of have question marks. Um, in best ball league, I like him a little bit better. And then in dynasty is where I like him the best because now, you know, they're committed to him. He's still yeah. pretty young. You got to remember, you know, he's got a couple years in his belt. He's going to be there for the long haul, you know, great team situation. So I, I like him best in dynasty. He's definitely not a buy low candidate. Uh, but some people might say, well, you know what? Now he's he's there with all those mouths to feed. It's not a ha- heavy passing offense. Some people might say, well, maybe he's not worth what he was last year, which is true. Um, but you swoop in and you make a deal. And, you know, a guy who loves Josh Gordon because of all that upside, he's a guy you want to stay away from in Dynasty is Gordon. So if, if someone will take Cooks for Gordon straight up, I would take Cooks in Dynasty pretty much every day. Yeah, I got cooks in a dynasty league last year in a trade that revolved around me sending the guy Jameis winston and ty montgomery so i have been very happy with the turns on that one but yeah so you brought in yeah i'm pretty thrilled about it so you brought up cooper cup and i think you can't really talk about right now cooper cup without also bringing in robert woods because these three guys they're all going to impact each other and you uh the roto and we've been going with ppr rankings here by the way from rotoballer.com i don't remember if i mentioned it but you guys had Cup as his 38th wide receiver and Woods as his 39th wide receiver. So obviously they're they're going to be neck and neck this year in terms of drafting. I, I'm just curious. So you said you'd prefer Cup over Cooks. Would you prefer him over Woods too? No, actually. I'm glad you asked that because, um, like I said, just recently updated my rankings. Uh, and I can see if I can pull up exactly where I have him uh, personally. Because what we do on the site, you'll see it's a consensus rankings. We have a couple of guys for each yes. format. So like myself, um, Kyle Richardson, uh, Nick Mariano. And then for best ball, it's, it's different. It's me and then Chris Mangano and, and Phil Clark. So personally, as far as um, PPR rankings for receiver, I actually moved Woods up a little bit. Um, and I kind of kept Cup the same. So the reason I like Woods better is just because of that I think he's going to get um, – I think he's going to get more looks. In fact, 
I'm actually I'm surprising myself now. I'm looking. I have Woods almost ten spots higher than Cup. So that might be a little uh yeah, that might be a little generous. But um but I do like Woods because I, I'll tell you a lot of what happened with Cup, and you probably are aware of this, when he had his best weeks, when was that? Probably when, when Woods, Woods was out, right? Woods was out. So uh in that three week span, because Woods and I was a Woods owner in a couple leagues last year, um so Robert Woods had just caught fire. He had a three-week stretch where he had four touchdowns. He had that huge monster game, 171 yards, eight catches in back-to-back weeks. So he was catching fire. And then, of course, he got hurt, right, right when he was doing his best. So then the next three weeks, that's when Cooper Cup went off. So in that three-week span following Woods' um, injury, Cup had 302 yards, um, 18 receptions. Now, Cup was solid the rest of the way, but he didn't have a 100-yard game when Woods was in the lineup. And in fact, he didn't even have an 80-yard game when Woods was in the lineup. So to me, Cup is always going to be limited. He's always going to be that number three receiver, right? He's number three. To me, in the offense, uh, again, not knowing the ins and the outs or what Sean McVay's mind is, but I think he's definitely going to be viewed as number three behind Woods. I think Woods, as long as he's healthy, which has been his issue— uh, he's that number two guy. So I'm going to always prefer Woods. Um, PPR, definitely. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you here. I know this is Our podcast is called Butting Heads, but I'm not going to butt heads here. I think that Cup is unfortunately going to be the odd man out in terms of fantasy. You know, I still think he's going to have value, but I'm he's probably a guy I'm going to stay away with from unless he falls. Woods, on the other hand, I think – Woods is going to get a lot of reps, and I wouldn't even be shocked if he was the team's leading receiver. I mean, I know they have the financial investment in Cooks, and he's he's the most versatile of the three, and I think Woods is just a better player than Cup. That's no disrespect to Cup. Woods just looked really good last year, so that's why I think Cup is going to be the one that gets the least targets, and he might even fall behind Gurley in targets depending on if they continue to feed him through the passing game. But Woods was really good last year, and like you said, those games he played, he was – on fire for that period of stretch. I watched him in person catch a 33 yard or on a 30 and 33 house of screen pass against the giants. One of the best moments of the year for sure. But he's, I like woods this year. I think he's, if he's sitting at the 39th receiver on rankings, he's a guy I would go up and get around when we're like at the thirties in the rankings or even maybe even a little higher. I mean, he's a good player. We know he has a connection with Jared Goff, and I know Cup does too, but I think Woods really showed potential to be a leading man in an offense, and I don't know if that's going to happen with the Cooks, but I think, now I brought up that Washington team, I think it's kind of, they're going to be the one-two punch like uh, Garcon and Jackson were, where Jack or Cooks might get hit more on the deep balls, but Woods might be the through-the-trenches guy that kind of, and I think they're both going to do this a little, but I... I don't know. I feel like I'm screwing up my words, but I really do like Woods, and I think he has wide receiver two upside. I'd probably list him as a flex right now, but I think both him and Cooks could be valuable receivers, and I think Cup is just going to be a victim of circumstance. I think he's going to be good. He's going to be a better real-life fit player than a fantasy player, but I, yeah. Do you think there's a chance that all three of these guys become flex options, or you think one of them might fall out of favor? 
you know, I just I, I have the feeling with Cup is, you know, he was pretty good. He was, um, you know, impressive as far as the way he handled himself and stepping right in um, and contributing right away as a rookie. Um, he's a solid player, but like you said, he's going to be one of those more valuable in real life than in fantasy. And I think he's going to be a little bit overdrafted in terms of where he's going this year. I'm looking at, you know, right now, fantasy football calculator. It shows that Cup is being taken 10 picks ahead of Woods. I would flip that. In fact, I would take Woods um, even higher. Woods is like the number 100 overall player off the board um, as of right now in PPR leagues. I would take him higher than that. I think Woods is a guy who, if you're in a three-receiver league, you, you can put him in that third-receiver spot and leave him there all year. Uh, I think that's how people view Cup right now. I don't see him that way. I think you're getting a decent floor, but I don't think it's as high as people think, you know, because again, he didn't. he's not having any of those really big games unless Woods is out of the lineup. And if you're talking about a floor, what, what's your definition of floor? You know, 40, 50 yards? That's not something I necessarily want every week. Um, I'd rather at least shoot for upside. I'd rather have a guy who maybe will throw up some duds and, and is a little more inconsistent, but at least has the potential to give me some big games. So to me, I think Cup is a little bit overdrafted right now, and I think Woods is definitely being underdrafted. Uh, you got to remember, you know, Cup was a third-round pick last year. Okay, Woods was a second-round pick, and he's coming out of USC. Of course, the homecoming, you know, that seems to kind of revive him. But you also have to remember where he started. He was in Buffalo. There haven't been a lot of successful receivers or really skilled players at all that have come out of Buffalo lately. So, you know, he went from a bad situation to a great situation. And I think now he's showing his true talent. So um, Woods is a guy I'm kind of targeting as my third receiver in a lot of formats. Yeah, and I think one thing that people might counter with Cup is that, well, it was his first season. He's young. He's going to grow. He he's definitely going to grow a little bit and understand the program more, but he's 25 years old. He's older than Brandon cooks, which yep. is, which is pretty wild. So like, it's not like he's going to grow. I, I mean, if he does, I'd love to eat my words, in this, but I can't imagine him getting that much better. And that's fine because he is a good player. And if with all these guys locked in, in terms of woods and cooks and cup, assuming there's no trades, if cups, your third receiver, that's fantastic. And I think he'll be fine in that role. And I think it'll take pressure off him. And I think he would exceed more in that role than if he was asked to be a wide receiver two or wide receiver one. And as Rams fan know, a big part of our the problem with our history of receivers over the last 10 years is we had guys that would have been great wide receiver twos playing wide receiver ones. Guys that have been good wide receiver threes playing wide receiver twos. We finally have a roster of uh, Cooks, who's he's not a, one of the top receivers in the league, but he's fine as a go-to option. Woods who's a great second option, Cup, who's a great third option. If Cup isn't getting as many receptions or targets as some people would like, it's fine. It won't be great for his fantasy value, but in terms of, like we've we've been saying, he's going to be a much better real-life player than a fantasy player. But I do, I think Woods is a great value where he's drafted, and we'll see if he starts to climb up once a lot of the August drafts get rolling. But I think, you know, he's the 100th player right now. That's that's fantastic value, and I'd even probably reach for him maybe in the seventh or eighth if if he's there. I think that's a that's a good value for him because, like you said, he's a good wide receiver three. He probably he, in a PPR league he'll fit fine as a flex. I I really do like Woods this year. 
Yeah, and let me say just a couple of players who have been taken around that same ballpark as far as ADP right now, who I definitely would take Woods instead of. Um, and I can definitely say this as a as a lifelong Dolphins fan, I would definitely take him any day over Devontae Parker. Um, <laughs> done with him. Done. Okay, so yeah, I would take Robert Woods over Parker. You have Jordy Nelson, who's taken around the same right there, one oh one. Um a lot of people are all in love with Randall Cobb this year. I what's changed? Like all of a sudden he's going to become this huge target hog. I don't think so. So I would take Woods over those guys. Robbie Anderson. I really like Robbie Anderson. Uh, I don't like the fact that he might get suspended and you don't know what he's going to do. So um, yeah, Woods is a really solid play. Uh, and of course, I would definitely take him over Cup at this point. I just Cup, and especially I'm glad you mentioned uh, his age. That's part of the reason why he came in established you know he didn't leave early for the draft he's a guy who was able to contribute right away because he had that maturity and he really handled himself well um you know he he came in like a veteran receiver as a rookie that's not what you want in dynasty if if you're a cup owner i think now is a good time to sell because i really don't see his value going up like you said i mean he's fine for what he is but um i'm preferring woods definitely yeah, so Rams fans, be excited for Cop on the field. Stay away from him in your drafts unless, like I said, he falls and you get him at a good value because he he could definitely end up being a flex play this year if they really let Goff throw a lot, and I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen, but we could get right into that with Jared Goff right now. He's Rotoballer's 14th-ranked quarterback right around vets like Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, so obviously that's a lot different expectations for a guy like Philip Rivers versus a guy like Jared Goff, who is in his third year and basically really he's in his second meaningful season because the the Fisher mess in 2016, there's not much you could really take out of that. And what we saw from Goff last year, I think, is what we're going to see more of. But you, So with Goff, the, I guess this is two-parted. Do you think that he can be a – QB1, even if it's on the low end of the spectrum, and his ADP is 113 right now. If you're going to wait on a quarterback, is that a guy you would consider targeting? All right, so this hopefully this isn't confusing, but let me uh, let me explain my feeling on Goff. So I think Goff, and I, I was kind of banging the drum for him last year. It, it was amazing, truly like amazing to me, recency bias, how it could rear its ugly head, but after one year, after a rookie season where he barely played, right, not even half a season, people are giving up on the number one overall pick. And they're saying, oh, you know, Goff's never going to be anything. I, I was shocked. <laughs> so I was banging the drum for not only Goff, but um, Gurley, the whole Rams team last year. That was probably the, the thing I was the most right on last year was the Rams. Now, of course, they exceeded my expectations. I didn't know they were going to be that good, especially with Gurley. But I, I profiled Gurley and said he should be first-round value um, when everyone was taking him like the end of the second round, maybe third round. Goff is a guy who, again, I knew he would do better. He did a lot better than I thought he would. So here's the thing. I'm higher on Goff than probably almost everybody. I think he should be a QB1, but I don't think he will be. <laughs> so this year, fantasy-wise, I actually think he takes a small step back, but very small. And here's the reason. You have a team that has, of course, uh, you know, established star running back. They just got better at receiver. But here's where they also got better. Defense. So a lot of times we know that bad defense produces higher volume passing game. 
the teams that pass the ball a lot, very heavily, it's partly at least because they have to, um, to compensate for the fact that their defense is keeping them on the field and the fact that they have some, you know, catching up to do. The Rams are not going to be in the situation. They have a, a running back they can give the ball to every time. They have a defense that's pretty much going to shut down uh, their opponents. So Goff is not going to have to throw the ball as much, and I don't think they're going to need him to put up 477 attempts like he did last year. So I think that number goes down a little bit. I think he's probably going to be a little bit more efficient, uh, and he was still pretty efficient last year. But I think the volume just won't be there for him to be a QB1 in fantasy. So when you talk about a guy like Phillip Rivers, he was second in the league in passing yards last year. That's not going to change. They have a pretty good defense, but it's not going to be Rams-level defense. And that's a team that, you know, Rivers has been there forever. He's a guy that they're going to go to in the clutch. The Rams, when it's crunch time, they're going to lean on Gurley first and foremost, and they're going to have a short, controlled passing game. Rivers can air it out whenever he feels like it. So I think the volume is there. Big Ben, obviously, we know he's going to sling it. So um, I just think that unless you're one of those guys who's waiting, and and that's kind of more popular these days, is to wait and wait on quarterback, unless you're a really late-round QB guy and you're waiting until people are taking their backups to take your first quarterback, um, Goff is probably better off as your backup. Um, Now, that said, if you're in a uh, 2QB or a Superflex league, you should target him a little bit earlier. I actually took Goff. Um, I took Rivers and Goff as my two quarterbacks in the Scott Fishbowl, which, uh, if anybody's familiar with, the huge um, industry tournament, 900 teams, experts, and some fans who are uh, able to get in. And so it's super flex, and quarterbacks are always the top scorers um, just because of the scoring system. So I took, I think, fourth and fifth round. I took Rivers, and then immediately afterwards, I took Goff. And I was pretty happy with that. Um, but if it's a single quarterback league, I just, as much as I like golf personally, I just can't recommend him. Um, I just don't think the volume is going to be there. Yeah, and I, I, you do bring up a good point with the defense being better, which would mean they'll probably run the ball more. Todd Gurley, last season, he only had, I just had this up, where did it go? He had 279 attempts. So I could definitely see that number going up, and I could see Jared Goff's, 477 attempts going down now that being said i i do feel like he could still be a low-end qb1 just because i think he could be like you said he'd be more efficient i still could see there being a chance of him coming in and looking really good and as a result mcveigh kind of letting him throw the ball more because when you have Todd Gurley, you have to run the ball more but i think mcveigh is a passing-minded head coach as evidenced by him letting Kirk Cousins throw the ball 600 times in a season. Now, Goff is not going to approach 600. There's just absolutely no way. But I could see him letting Goff throw the ball a little bit more. And with all of the weapons he has, with he'll have a better chemistry with Cooks. He'll have or better chemistry with Cooks than he did with Watkins. He'll still have the chemistry with Woods, with Cup. I, I think there is a chance that he does get unleashed a bit more and gets a little bit more volume. And I think while the defense will be better, because the Rams were better last year, our schedule is going to be a little tougher. Uh, we we play, obviously, all the division winners. So um, the schedule's not bad. And I think there are going to be some games where they do get the lead and kind of hold it. But I, I still like him at his ADP. And I think one thing that I like doing when I wait on a quarterback is I like to take two 
quickly, just like back to back, maybe in the 10th or the 11th rounds, just so I, you know, I'm not stuck with just a Jared Goff or just a Philip Rivers or something like that. You know, if I get two of those guys, I feel a little bit better about my chances. And while it does get annoying to switch a quarterback every week, if you're going on a matchup play, I think pairing a guy with Goff who has kind of a higher ceiling if he does continue to make strides, even though the volume might push back if he doesn't look a lot better, even if he's slightly better, it might just be shown in the efficiency given the volume. But I do like him at his ADP. I think he's obviously very good for a backup. And I think if you enter the season as a starter, I think if you, if you drafted well in the earlier rounds, because obviously if Goff is your starter, you waited a long time. But I, I don't mind him at his ADP if you want to wait on a quarterback and take him. Yeah, no, I, I I think he would be fine. Uh, like I said, if you're one of those who does wait on quarterback, and that's becoming more of a popular trend these days, uh, so it, it's almost counterintuitive to do that because everyone's doing it. So you might be better off just you know grabbing Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, uh, you know fifth or sixth round if you can get them, and then let everybody else scramble for those kind of lower tier quarterbacks. But that being said, with golf, you do also at quarterback kind of have to look at the schedule you don't want to plan around it for your draft um but with a position like that where you're going to have one guy hopefully one guy and ride him all season and you're not going to be switching in and out you know you might want to look ahead and so their end of year fantasy playoff schedule isn't great so week 14 they're at chicago chicago is going to be an underrated defense uh, and of course on the road in chicago in december uh, always potential for bad weather week 15 philadelphia i think we know good uh definitely good defense there and then week 16 at arizona not too tough um but arizona does have some playmakers there patrick peterson defense so it's not a great fantasy playoff schedule um so that's just one thing to consider again that's that's not how you're going to decide who your quarterback is but if it comes you know between splitting the difference him and somebody else you know it's just a consideration yeah i i think that's a very good point and that's that's kind of why i do like to take a second quarterback around the same time if I wait just so I can yep. play those matchups and you know for some reason everyone at Rams talk is like weirdly high on the Bears this year and obviously that defense <laughs> is really good but we I, I don't know I kind of like the Bears but that's that's a top for a different day and obviously week 15 a very critical fantasy week that matchup with the Eagles not great even though it was a high scoring game last year I think the Cardinals matchup is fine if you get to that point and you're still riding Goff, obviously you're not going to take him out. But that that's definitely something fantasy owners should consider. And if you are taking Goff, I I think you should take another quarterback just so you can depend. It could be different in Week 15. He could be a killer. He could he probably won't be, but he could be like an MVP candidate or something crazy third-year leap. But um, right now I, I would like to pair him with another quarterback. Before we continue, guys, it's summertime in Southern California, which means sun, hot weather, and visits to the pool. If you got a pool and you're looking to remodel, resurface, or if you just want a pool, you got to check out Jayhawk Pool Plaster and Remodeling at 4780 East Wesley Avenue in Anaheim, California. Jayhawk Pool Plastering and Remodeling serves Orange County in the Southland and is run by Jayhawk, the eldest son of former Ram John Hawk and the brother of Jim Hawk, the writer of Hollywood's team. 
He built this business in the mantra of fantastic results and amazing customer service. Head over to jayhawkpools.com and take a look at their work. You can see the quality in their finishes and the testimonies provided by past customers. If you're looking to remodel, resurface, or put in a new pool, give Jayhawk a call at 714-695-0700. Again, 714-695-0700. You can also email them at info at jayhawkpools.com. Folks, this is an opportunity to support the podcast, support a member of the Ramley, and to just better your pool and better your yard. If you live out in the area, give Jayhawk Pool and Plastering a call. Definitely won't regret it. And, of course, we are looking for sponsors for the upcoming 2018 NFL season. This is a great, inexpensive way to get the word out on your business. Our numbers are growing crazy fast right now. Getting in early will definitely save you some money. And once the team is getting a little buzz, we're going to get more buzz. That price is going to go up. So reach out today, ramstalk1945 at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We're going to media kit out to you as soon as we can. One last Ram that we could talk about here, and this is kind of just an honorable mention. Our second-round pick last year, Gerald Everett. You got Rotoballer has him 31 for tight ends, 268 overall. Um, do you think he has any chance of emerging as a fantasy asset this season and then i guess in dynasty leagues is is he a guy you'd even worry about having on the roster if if the league isn't super deep yeah no he's definitely a guy worth having um obviously you don't want him as your starter but um the question here again is as we've already talked about they already have three really good receivers and one of the best running backs and also one of the best pass catching running backs in the game how much attention is he going to get? And um, I also kind of want to ask you a question, like what happened to Tyler Higby? Because I remember a year before he, he was going to be the tight end of the future and he just kind of uh, disappeared. And I've seen him in, in game action a couple of times. Uh, he didn't look very, uh, very aware on the field. So obviously they brought in Everett, um, who's a talented player physically. Um, well, you know, we just have to wait. Tight ends always take typically, typically, uh, take about two or three years to really develop um, as pass catchers. So yeah. there's always exceptions. But what what happened with Higby? I think the Higby hype was kind of, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, like when there's a lack of players at the position, you kind of just talk yourself into who's there. And Higby was there. Uh, he, I I thought he could be okay. I, you know, I never thought he would be a super, like a top tight end. I thought he could be like a, an okay starter but you know i think his football iq was kind of one of the things that was a knock on him when he came in and mm. i think he's just i don't think the talent is there enough to really just emerge as the team's top tight end and then obviously we brought in all these guys and there wasn't a lot of room and his his rookie year i believe was 2016 right so that was in the heart of just the rams completely falling apart and he only he barely even played that year, so I, he did improve from that year to last year, I guess. But I think when you look at him and Everett, and obviously they spent a higher pick on Everett. Everett just he's raw, but he's a guy who just clearly has a lot of talent, and at some point he might get it together. And I I think McVay drafted him thinking he could be kind of this new Jordan Reed for him. Maybe at some point he is, but this year with all these guys, I think I hope that he gets. Because him and Higby kind of split last year, and I would much rather see Everett get all of the targets and Higby kind of take a back seat, maybe coming in the red zone from time to time. But Everett has a lot of talent, and I think he could 
Phil the and it didn't it wasn't there last year, but in past years we had the the Tavon Austin kind of just home run rule where randomly Tavon Austin would come in and catch a pass and go to the house. And Everett did do that. He had two touchdowns last year, and from what I remember, they were both pretty big plays. I think he could come in and hit a home run every now and then. I I don't see him having a ton of fantasy value this year just because of the you know the, all the guys here, all the mouths to feed, and Everett. I. I can't see him even being nearly consistent enough to have any value at tight end, which is a position where there's really 12 guys that start every week. Sometimes I take two tight ends high and play one at the flex, but I, it's not a great strategy, and I don't think Everett's going to ever sniff the flex. But, yeah, I think Everett is a, is a talented player. I, I don't think Higby is just that talented in terms of being an NFL player and I don't know, I think we just kind of talked ourselves into him because there really wasn't a lot going on at the position, and there hasn't been a lot going on for a while. And after the whole Jared Cook era, which I do not want to talk about, I think we were just looking for any light at the end of the tunnel, and Higby kind of seemed like he had some talent. Yeah, and Everett's like the next great hope. And that, that's the thing, too, is sometimes you project and, and want them to be this. doesn't mean that they will be. Um, and Now, Everett definitely has talent, but again, I – Fantasy wise, there's really no need to roster him unless you're in a, a pretty deep dynasty league and, and you have him as your backup. So um, I, I think we can kind of safely ignore him. He might make a big play, you know, catch a touchdown here or there, but it's nothing you really need to, I guess, pay attention to. Yeah, and I think another thing a lot of Rams fans did in talking to yourselves to, into someone because nothing else is there was yeah. with Josh Reynolds before the. Brandon Cook's trade happened. Everyone kind of just was like, he could be the guy. He can emerge. He could take Sammy Watkins' role. There was no evidence that that could happen. Like, there was literally none outside of, like, him being an okay prospect that went in the fourth round coming out. He didn't show anything last year. When Woods went down, it's not like he stepped in and took Woods' role or even took Cups' role. He just he caught a couple passes. He was there. But uh, we don't need to talk about Josh Reynolds. Uh, before I let you go, I do want to ask you quickly because we, we've gone for a while. I'm just curious how you feel about Saquon Barkley because this is a guy that a lot of our listeners will might consider in the first round. His ADP right now, uh, from what I got on Rotoballer, was 6.6. You guys have him as a six running back, 10th overall in PPR. Do you think he's worth taking that high? Do you think he can do what Zeke did um, or similar? Because given where he's drafted, people are going to be expecting 2016 Zeke all over again. Uh, okay, so yes and no. Yes, he's worth taking in the first round, uh, even in the top 10. Uh, no, he's not going to put up the same numbers that Zeke did as a rookie. He's not going to get that many carries. Um, this is a team that still has Odell Beckham, who, you know, he might want the ball thrown his way once in a while. So uh, I don't think they're going to just ignore the passing game. This is a team um, that is going to try to achieve balance. And you have to realize that defense is still not all the way there. It's it's still rebuilding so they might say they want to run the ball 100 times you know, per game, but realistically, they're going to have to have some bounce. Luckily, Barkley is a good pass catcher, and he's definitely explosive enough. You know, He can make big plays on his own. But again, also that offensive line is still kind of a work in progress. So am I going to take him ahead of Kamara? No, I'm, I'm not doing that. Am I going to take him ahead of those? any of those? Even consider him in the top five. No, he, he's not a top five pick. So number six is kind of where everyone puts him. Right, because he's not one of those top four running backs. You know, you're not going to take him over Antonio Brown, hopefully. Uh, and I wouldn't take him over Kamara. So I think he's kind of a safe 
maybe number eight, nine kind of pick. But again, I, I use the word safe. That's probably the complete wrong word to use because he's a rookie uh, playing for the Giants. But I, I wouldn't hesitate to make him a first rounder. Yeah, I I think at the end of the first round, I like him in the middle. I there's still like established guys, you know, like in PPR, it's different because Fournette, I don't like him as much, but in standard, that's the guy I might take over him. Melvin Gordon, obviously his volume has been crazy. And I, I don't really see that changing. And I, I, for me, I just like, sometimes I struggle to take rookies that high just because like you said, you don't know. And you know, recently I've been wrong in that assessment because Zeke was killer and uh, Fournette was very good. So yeah, I just, I wanted to hear what you thought about that. I think I like him at the end of the first round. Um, I think six for ranking him among the running backs is fine. I think I personally would have him a little lower, but not much. And I, I think after the main guys, I'd still take Brown over him. I'd still take Odell and I'd still take Hopkins. And then if, if, so that eight guys, I guess, including Kamara, once they're off the board, that's when I really start to consider Barkley. And, um, I, I don't think, I think it's fine after that. I, I still don't think I take him over Hopkins, but I, he's just, no. The for they took him second overall. He's gonna get fed. It's kind of like Cooks. Like you don't you don't make that investment to not give him the ball and unless he's just not good, which I I can't imagine. Then he's gonna he's gonna get his. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about him coming in and just like being bad at football. That's not gonna happen. Uh, it's just more about the team situation. And so I will admit to though before we move on is I the drafts I've done so far. I know draft season isn't in full swing yet, but. I don't own any shares of Barkley, and I've had the number seven or eight pick a couple times, and I, I've taken DeAndre Hopkins uh, wherever possible. So I, I agree with you on that. Um, I, I'm not saying you couldn't take him there, but I'm personally not taking him there. Gotcha. Yeah, and okay, so I got four guys listed here. We're not going to talk about the last two, so sorry you're not going to get to vent on JJ. I don't know if you're looking to oh. do that. <laughs> But uh, we this is a fantasy football segment, and we can't end without talking about Josh Gordon, of course. Uh, right now, and I think, I don't know if this will change for you guys because of the recent news that he's not at camp, but um, it seems like he's doing the right things, and everybody's been praising him. Right now, he's Roto Ballers, 22nd receiver in PPR, 43 overall. But Josh Gordon really hasn't done anything since 2013, and granted, he's still really young and was really, really good in 2013. But he's going. He's his ADP is. Um, I've seen him go in the third round in mocks. I think he's kind of settling in the fourth, and even assuming that he's ready for Week One and he's there and he's mentally stable, which I I think he will be. Is he worth taking that high given? how just we really haven't seen him do anything in so long uh josh gordon so we actually talked about him of course the news uh last week on our, on our pod and uh we made a joke uh that toward the end of last season when he finally came back that just every single week um for the rest of the season until next season we should just have Josh Gordon's title, like naming the title of each show, because then people would listen. Because everyone loves talking <laughs> about Josh Gordon. Because, yeah, I mean, it's it's fascinating the situation. So, the short version is, I'm not worried about this whole thing with him not showing up to training camp and getting right. I, the fact that this is happening to me it means he is right. That he's actually being proactive. 
um, I think it's a good thing. And I think I believe actually I believe when they say, oh, he'll be back soon and he'll be back for week one. I believe it. So I have no problem uh, with what's going on. And I have confidence in him for this season. Uh, now, that said, he's still going to be the most overrated, uh, overvalued player in all of fantasy, because even though we've seen what he could do, you have to remember this was not only five years ago when he had that monster season. But what else was going on in Cleveland at that time? They didn't have Jarvis Landry, you know. You know, they didn't have these decent uh, running backs. You know, we think Chubb could be decent. Duke Johnson's really solid. Um, Carlos Hyde is eh, he's okay. Um, but you have to realize that at that time when he went off, this was again. Well, it's always a horrible Browns team. They didn't have anybody else to throw to. They didn't have anything else uh, of note. So he could get all the attention. He could make those plays because nobody was really worried about. You know, guarding Josh Gordon deep. That, that wasn't an issue. He's going to get a lot more attention now. He's going to get, um, he's going to have a lot more competition for targets. And that team is still, uh, well, they're still the Browns. I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but uh, yeah, he's not putting up 1,600 yards. I think he could get 1,000. I think he could. But at his current ADP, is he worth, you know, what he's going for? No. He's, he's definitely going to be overvalued. So I actually took him in an MFL 10. The other day but that's different right that's different because i'm going to stack seven or eight receivers on that team and i don't need him to go off every week and i don't need to worry about starting him in my lineup every week so i think mfl 10 go for it he, he's definitely worth the fourth round pick um but yeah you, you're gonna get far more value uh trading him in the league that you own him than putting him out in your lineup every week yeah i i love josh gordon i do think he's gonna be good and I've been high on him. I've overdrafted him in the years that he didn't even play. I spent most of 2014 just waiting for his return, harping on it, saying he's going to be the savior. And even I, I am not going near him in the fourth round just because, like you said, they have all those weapons. And he's going to have rust to shake off. He shook off a little bit last year, but... It, in the fourth round, you're going to take a guy that hasn't shown he could produce at a high level in five years. I think it is wild just how, how high he's going. Now, if I'm in a league where he slips and I can get him in the sixth, I mean, I'm, I think I'm going to be pumped about it because I want him on my team just so I can root for him. But the the ADPs are, are crazy for him right now. And I just the guys around him, they're just more established. I think their floors are a lot higher. I just... I, he's he's tough for me to talk myself into at his ADP right now, but um, if the news scares some people off and I can get him in like the six, I uh, I think I'll probably jump on it just because he would be a nice guy to throw on at the flex. But I think if you're counting on him to be your wide receiver one or maybe even your wide receiver two, it's it's a bold investment because we really really don't know if he still can produce even a three quarters of what he did in uh, 2013. Yeah, he he won't. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that said, he could have a perfectly fine season. But how many yards do you think he's really going to get? He's not going to do that again, and not because of age, not because of you know his personal issues, not because of that, not just just because it's not realistic. I mean, he's not going to be the only guy running up and down the field. You know, on this offense, they're going to try to run the ball he's somewhat, and they they can get away with it. They actually have decent, you know, three decent running backs. And there's Jarvis Landry. He's he's known for getting a ton of targets. They have a decent tight end in, in Dave Njoku. Could be a breakout guy. 
Um, they might be signing Des Bryant. I mean, hello, that you don't think that's going to impact Josh Gordon? So, again, it's not because of the personal situation. You always have to look at team context. He's just not going to get uh, a sure 100 targets. So not worth fourth round. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes you take guys hoping that you're going to win the lottery with them. Uh, Josh Gordon is – him doing this would basically be like winning the Mega Millions when it's uh, impossible to win or something like that. Like His ADP is, is wild. But uh, with that, we, we'll wrap it up with you, Pierre. Where can people follow you? Where can they get your podcast at? All right. So – Pretty much everything that you see on rotorballer.com, I'm kind of in some way involved with. I'm the, the editor for baseball and football, all you baseball fans out there. And um, I, I do publish some articles there each week for both sports. And on Twitter, I'm at pfunk00. And then, of course, the Fantasy Bomb podcast you can catch on Rotorballer Radio, iTunes, and YouTube. We have a fancy video version of it. Um, so... Check that out. And then, of course, we have a Twitter account for that, too. It's at Fantasy Bomb Pod. And you can go back to the archives a few weeks and catch Steve, his, his appearance on there. There we go. And, of course, rotoballer.com, which I also write for, will be ramping up the fantasy football content. So uh, if you need your fix, definitely check that out. Uh, but, yeah, thanks for coming on, Pierre. It was great having you. Yeah, definitely. Anytime. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Don't forget to follow us at Twitter at TalkRams and at Facebook at Facebook.com slash RamsTalk. You can find me on Twitter at Steve Ribeiro. You can find Johnny on Twitter at Johnny5, not 6. Although I don't know how active Johnny is. And don't don't forget to follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player.fm, Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. For Johnny Gomez, Steve Ribeiro. We'll see you soon. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.